0: You're listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast, your primary source of information related to the hospitality industry in Washington State.
1: Welcome to the CEO Podcast with Washington Hospitality Association President and CEO Anthony Antone. This month, Anthony welcomes Shai Zadamchi, Principal and Managing Director of 360 Degree Hotel Group and a 2023 winner of the Burton Shaw Lifetime Achievement Award. The two talk about Donji's leadership style, her professional achievements, and women in leadership. You can find the links to the programs we mentioned in this podcast in the show notes. Thank you to our sponsor, My Hospitality Insurance. And now,
2: here's Anthony. Welcome to the November podcast of the Washington Hospitality Association. Yeah, I said November, that's right. Leaves have turned football season is halfway in. I don't know what the heck happened to summer, but certainly overnight it felt like the temperature dropped 15, 20 degrees and all the colors were different, which I love in the Northwest. I hope you had a great summer and, and fall as we move towards holiday season. We're excited today coming up on November 9th is the annual hospitality conference. All proceeds from the conference go to support the hospitality program at WSU so we can help keep producing great leaders in our industry here in Washington state, we are also going to be recognizing our lifetime achievement award winners, the Burton award winners, Shiza Damji and Reggie Frederick. And later on the podcast, I'm excited. We have one of those two with us, Shiza Damji is going to be joining us and talking about her leadership style, errors she's led through and what she hopes for the next steps in our industry as we move forward. But before we get to that. As everyone who religiously listens to us know, the Hostility Association tries to do four things for the industry on our best day. We wanna be your primary source of information. We wanna provide you a a great ROI for being involved in the association. We wanna help illuminate career pathways. And of course, uh, most of you think about, we wanna create a great business climate here in Washington State through our Government Affairs Program. So let me give you a couple of quick updates on each one of those. Government Affairs is easy, November 7th. So just a couple of days away, if you haven't already voted, get your ballot in. We have endorsed a couple of local candidates. Those we've endorsed will be in the podcast notes, or you can go to the website and do a search for your city and see if you endorse someone there. But we have endorsed some key candidates. There's a couple of really key races that I think are going to affect not only the city that they're in, <clears throat> Seattle, but some of the other areas outside elsewhere as well. So vote or don't complain, your choice. Moving on to primary source of information. Uh, we had a couple of high profile foodborne illness cases here in Washington state earlier, and it had been a while, whether it was COVID or whether it was just cyclical and we had a break for a bit, but we did have a couple of high, high profile foodborne illness cases. So we have put together a, how to respond toolkit. The link is going to be in the podcast notes, please check that out or know that it's there, educate your team that it's there. So when, and if. Hopefully never, but if a foodborne outbreak were to occur in one of your locations, you've got a quick resource on reminding you in a moment of the best way to proceed and do the right thing for your business and the community and your guests. On ROI, speaking of November 9th, we're going to be debuting our new retirement plan programs. So for a lot of small businesses, retirement plan programs are out of reach. The team on our MSC committee, which is our group of volunteers who tries to put together great programs for you, has come up with retirement plan options and they're going to be debuted. So come to the conference and check them out, or again, check out the podcast notes to learn more as, as they come forward. And lastly, our education foundation, not lastly, of course, we care about illuminate career pathways. We're taking the next stage in the development of our new EF. Uh, We took a break from our education foundation during COVID simply to survive and it's coming out with a new focus. And that's really, how do we get people to understand the incredible careers we have in our industry that we're not an industry where the first job you see is the last one, but that first job is a starting point to what could be a great career as will be highlighted by Shiza later in the, in the uh, podcast. We need access to some of your HR folks in helping illuminate, creating standardized descriptions and helping build a website that hopefully will really appeal to not only people looking at careers in our industry, but people who are trying to understand how their company can develop career ladders and how we then communicate to our community and educational leaders. Of course, these are some people in our industry. We're an industry that produces good days and smiles and great careers. And so hopefully we can better educate that world so they understand why they should encourage people to approach our industry for for great success in their life. Speaking of great success in their life, when we come back from our break, we're gonna be talking to Shiza Danji, one of our two Burton Shaw Lifetime Achievement Award winners for outstanding contributions to the hospitality industry. We get to hear about hers. So I'm really excited to bring that to you in just a minute.
1: This episode is brought to you by My Hospitality Insurance. Our focus is to ensure Washington Hospitality Association members Utilize the strength and collective premiums to maximize coverage. Visit myhospitalityinsurance.com for your free quote today. Thank you for sponsoring this podcast.
2: Well, we are so excited to have on our podcast this month, one of our two winners of the Burton Lifetime Achievement Award in hospitality, Shiza Damji. Uh, Shiza, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, I'm honored to be here. Shiza, we're, we're honored to be honoring you, I'd not to, not to use the word honor too much. We're really, really excited and, and been really proud of what you've delivered for hospitality over the last several years, uh, your leadership style. And so coming up on November 9th at the conference, we're gonna be honoring you for, the, for just a lifetime of what you've provided to hospitality in leadership and engagement. Uh, when I first called you and I said, hey, I've got some news and you hung up and you told your your husband and other folks, what was your initial reaction?
3: So the first one was like, oh my God, lifetime. And that I have to say that that has been the most consistent response I've received. People are like, that's great, but do you feel old enough to be receiving a lifetime achievement <laughs> award? And so that's sort of a funny thing. And of course, my first reaction is like, you know, one thing the pandemic taught us is to seize every opportunity. I was like, I'm not going to say no to a Lifetime Achievement <laughs> Award because I don't feel old enough.
2: <laughs> well, you know, since you you first became the first woman chair ever of, of the Washington Lodging Association in 2005, right, we're nearly 20 years later after that, plus the all you built before that. When you became chair, the first woman chair ever of the Washington Lodging Association, Did it strike you that you were first or that role or the importance of breaking through and being an example to others? Do you remember that first year of that or was it just part of leading? You
3: know, I actually did not realize I was the first female chair until I saw the AHOA press release day before yesterday for this (laughs) award. I was like, oh think I ever thought about that. I so honest, so that's my reaction to it is I didn't realize that at that time. Um so it,
2: you were just leading, it just came natural. Yeah,
3: exactly. They asked me you know, they said can you come on? And I remember Jan Simon had asked, can you be on the executive committee? And then you know that rolls into the chair position eventually. And then it was accelerated because I think the two people before me had gone off to do different things in the either in this in the in the industry or moving out of the industry. And so um yeah. So uh, I it was, yeah, it was just leading. Um, but uh, looking back on it and it was interesting to me is that it's, yeah, it's almost, it's like 18 years ago. I can't believe that. That's the thing that strikes me the most because it seems like just a couple of years ago, um, you know, I was, I was right after Doug Dreyer and we are still, you know, working together on different things. He's still someone I call for input and vice versa. And uh, those relationships really last.
2: Well, and I mean, there really was a heck of a class. If you look back at the people engaged on that board and you look across the industry now, there's well, there's a lot of great leaders within within that group that you worked with. Uh, I'm going to stick on where women are at in hospitality for a second. Now we look forward to today, this year will be the first time that the majority of the hospitality board is women owners and women leaders. You look at the SBA report on ownership and in hospitality, starting a couple of years ago, the majority of of ownership is either women owned or co-owned. Why do you think uh, our industry has been so successful in giving opportunities for women where maybe other industries, at least publicly, appear to still be struggling to break through?
3: I think a couple things. I would not over... I mean, that's great that we're seeing that representation um, if you look at the SBA. I will say, though, that like when I look at the franchisee advisory councils at the big brands, there are still very few female owners. I am the president of a franchisee advisory council for Marriott. I am the only female president. I think there's like 20 franchisee advisory councils. I'm the only female president of one. And i am one of still just you know there's a one or two women on each council but it's not a majority by any means because that at that you're they're really looking at ownership in hotels that is i don't think that's dissimilar from most of the other large franchises so i just wanted to make that distinction
2: we still got work to do yeah exactly
3: i would say there's still a lot of work to do and and some of it is uh and it's, it's on both sides one is getting more women into the industry at that level, um, and I believe there are a couple of brands. I believe Red Roof, Marriott, all of them are doing different things to try to make that happen. I do. I think it's a very conscious attempt at the uh, franchisor level, at the industry level. So I, I, I'm not faulting the the brands for that at all. I think that there's really a lot of encouragement on that end. But it isn't. But there's definitely room for improvement. Now, going back to your original question, is why have why have we seen these successes? I think it's because I think because I still think that family business is very important to our industry, both on the hotel and restaurant side. And um, I think you see more and more dads and parents trusting their daughters to go go into this and encouraging their daughters to go into it. I think that is a big component of it on the ownership side. On the uh, general management side, I think that there is. Um, growing appreciation for the fact that female leadership may look different from male leadership. I think that there was a time, I think up until about 25 years ago, when it was expected, if you were a female leader, you should lead in the same way as men. So you should, for example, a business, a female business, even the way you look, you know, should look the same as the way a man might look in a business leadership role. Now, the way men look in business today also has changed quite a bit. So part of it is both sides coming together. And I do think today also, I think men are, I will say this, um, You know, women have traditionally been the main caregiver at home and the most involved with their children. I see an evolution on both sides on that. I do see that a lot of men are very involved now with their kids, um, even though, I mean, statistically you see that you know, women are still the primary caregivers in the household and the primary person doing the household work. But I see that there are a lot of men, my own husband included, who play a very important role in the household. So I think another factor is that reliability is very important in this industry that, you know, someone who shows up and is reliable, whether whether you're on the accounting side, in a hotel or whether you're a general manager, whether you're a housekeeper, whether you're a front desk agent, whether you're any kind of back of the house, any, anything you're doing in hospitality, reliability and showing up are very important. And that is something where women have traditionally been very good at. I, I think that is valued and respected. And I think that as you have a much more m- much more emphasis on the need for a manager to be collaborative, to be, to respect the input of those who are on their team. I think those are things, I mean, I'm not discounting men on that front, but I do think that women have been able to step up in that respect
2: as well. I I love that. So so one more question on women leadership and I'll move on just Shiza leadership. I speak to the classes at WSU who are graduating in hospitality a couple of times a year and I'll be speaking to the South Seattle hospitality program here in, in a couple of weeks. What would you have me tell the the women graduating and with hospitality degrees about what they can expect or how they can succeed in hospitality
3: um a few things i would say one of the most important things is to build networks build networks in your place of employment build networks within the industry and within the community those people will call on you for your advice, but you will also need to call on them for their advice. During the pandemic, this was particularly important where sharing information among people in the industry was really, really important in order for us to be able to survive. And I think it was critical to our survival and success as a company um, during the pandemic. But certainly before and after that, that was just a time of extreme crisis. But I feel that without having had the connections that I had built and that we had built, in the community and particularly within the industry both locally and nationally it would have been much much harder and i would say that volunteering to take leadership roles is very important and it doesn't have to be you 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 not you don't have to be like okay i just graduated i'm going to be the chair of the association it could be i'm going to volunteer to be on the hotel safety committee or i'm going to give my input where the you know or i'm going to if my employer is looking for new employees and they want, you know, I'm going to go and talk to my friends about why they should come work here or work in the industry. I mean, that in and of itself shows leadership, or it might be that your hotel or your restaurant is doing a project for Habitat for Humanity, show up for that. Because one way you will show your value is by your willingness to give your time and your energy to the business and what the business cares about a friend of mine, Shalmina Babayabji, has uh, written a book, Show Your Worth, uh, which is specifically about female leadership, starting with her career at IBM. But it can be a lot of what she talks about can be applied to, it's specifically addressing women's leadership, but it can be applied to anyone's leadership in the corporate world, in the community. And I think that's very important to be able to show your worth. But To remember, and it's not like you can just show up and say, "Oh, well, I have this worth." You need to show people. You have to demonstrate that you are worthy of it. So part of then that goes back to willingness to step up, willingness to step up and take on roles in the business, but also uh, to form the networks, to get outside learning, and learning can be. From those networks, um, you know, if, if your hotel owner wants you to go to hotel association meetings or to restaurant association meetings, I mean that's part of your job. But your willingness to do that shows that you're willing to learn as well. Those things are not they're social, but they're you know willingness to learn. I think very important to be willing to give your input. Don't be afraid of giving your input if you're asked for it. Uh, and But also understanding that sometimes a decision may be made that is different from what you gave your input, what what you said in in your input, but willingness to be part of a team and move forward. Uh, Just because your specific input wasn't taken doesn't mean that you weren't valued for giving it. One more thing I would say is the importance of a non-transactional approach towards relationships. I think people spot that you know they identify um, insincerity very quickly., uh, people appreciate someone who's genuine. And you, yes, you are f- networking and you are forming these relationships f- for a particular purpose, but you can't be transactional about
2: it. I think that that's great advice. and I, I you know it's it was funny you mentioned taking advantage of serving where you can because it's one of my key questions in an interview for any young person is, and, and see if you think I'm right, right on this or you'd alter it, but hospitality, maybe more than anything else is a team, right? Everyone has to act for a great guest experience. It's not one person. It's not like in, in a law firm where you have one great attorney, the one great attorney shines, right? You can in hospitality, you need the room to be clean. You need the front guest to be greeted. You need the experience of coming into the hotel to be community oriented and give them a chance to come back right the the whole team makes a great guest experience so people need to service teams so i always check when i'm interviewing people where have you served in your community where have you shown a willingness to make it not about you but about serving in general improvement Is is that something you find to be true or any thoughts on that
3: yeah i think that's an absolutely true statement i think that is very very essential every single person makes a difference
2: And I love that about hospitality, just from my own makeup. Let's, let's talk a little bit about leadership. And I don't think this is necessarily gender-based, but just you, you've inspired me, but I don't even know if you know it at times, but you have a unique leadership style, but there's times where I try to emulate because the hardest issues in leadership are usually emotional. People are fired up. They're engaged. This is personal. It's affecting bottom line. There's no clear answers or they're political and you have this ability to calm a room down, get people to stay, step back and get them to move towards solution. Is that something that has been natural to you? Has there been inspiration that's helped you develop that technique? And where did that style come from? Cause I don't see it in a lot of people and you're one of the unique people who I, who I just see bring a room out of the screaming and yelling and emotion and back down to solution. how do you develop that?
3: I think had very good role
2: models for my parents
3: my dad in the hotel business and in other businesses and and life in general always taking leadership role and my mom like really a full-time community servant and recently I've been listening to people talk to me about what she has done and very different from how I thought she might have perceived because she's a very soft person and the kind of things that they say is that you know she would call on people to work on a volunteer team now it's a volunteer team you know resettling refugees for example and that isn't something people have their busy lives I mean this was you know she was calling them and asking them to give up a weekend and they could have been doctors or they could have been teachers or they could have been full-time parents whatever and she was like she, she would call and say okay so I have this, and she didn't really give them an opportunity to say no, but she said, so I can pick you up. Oh, you don't have a car, I, you don't have a ride, I'll, I'll come pick you up. So she would, she didn't know how to do, she was calling them because they had a skill that she didn't have, but she knew she could pick them up and take them. So even though she was the one in charge, that's what she did because she knew that, that was what was important as a leader. And they, I think they were so flabbergasted <laughs> that they just went along for the ride. And I'm ta- I've talked to people who've said that, that those particular experiences change the trajectory of their lives. So sometimes a leader's role is to facilitate. I, I don't know how to do most stuff. So, but what I do know is how to figure out who knows a particular skill and how to bring those people together. And sometimes it is that the leader is the one who should just be driving people around or in a workplace environment, making sure that everyone has all the right tools, whether that's computers or, you know, some uh, food, to serve and making sure that, you know, what do I need to do to, for you? I think that's a very important thing that uh, a, a manager can ask saying to the team, what do you need from me? Cause I'm not the one who's doing it. I may not know how to do it, but uh, what do you need from me that I can give you? I ask my team
2: that all the time. And I say, I could talk to, with you about leadership and I got more than one moment in the past three years where I've taken one of your phrases and emotional moments to try to bring a room back. And I've thought about your style. So so thanks for the inspiration to me. And you've done a lot of community efforts. I mean, I'm, I'm proud to watch, you know, your, your passion around trying to make sure healthcare is affordable on our high-hit committee, the work and the guidance you gave us on paid family leave and with others. And we were trying to develop a proposal, first one in the country that business could support, right? There were a couple others out there that were horrific, but we thought this is important and there's a way we can do it that's, a win win, or at least a doable doable for both parties. And you were a part of that conversation. You've been on the mayor's small business advisories council in Seattle. Um, there's a bunch of leaders you know around the state, speaking of your networking, that look to you. How do you balance that community role and what drives you to keep improving our communities when you're running a, you're saying it's small, but running six hotels is, is a huge job on top of your family and top of your other stuff. How's that? How does that play how do, how do you choose where to get involved is there any community activity you're particularly proud of still today or, or this ongoing that you really love the work you do
3: uh, i do think that the paid family leave in terms of the legislation is something i feel really positive about i think that is I, I feel that was a huge contribution to the people in washington state but it was also good for our business too we had actually already started giving paid parental leave not as much as what is provided by the um, state law. Um, But we we had started doing paid parental leave. And so for us, it was actually a benefit to have it now taken over by the state because it allowed us to free up those resources a little bit to do other things for our team but i i think that what was so great about that was the fact that we were able to do it on a state level as opposed to on a city level because i think the state just has more resources it already had the department set up that could collect the money i i, I really don't like it when you have a lot of discrepancy between how different cities deal with things it's hard for owner operators first of all extremely difficult but it's also not that great for employees I think that we came up with a proposal that didn't treat businesses as evil. Like I think that was really important in this initiative that business was brought to the table, labor was brought to the table, everyone was brought to the table. Families, and everybody has a family, right? You, whether you're a business owner or an employee, that's not, it was something of common interest to everyone. You know, whether you have kids or don't have kids, you, you might have aging parents, you might have, you, you yourself can get sick unexpectedly. So this was something that, was important to everyone, but I think we came up with something which really treated business as having a sincere voice, and I think that was very important. I think, particularly in Washington State, businesses are very sincerely interested in working with their employees, with their teams, but we have a lot of financial pressures, a lot of regulatory pressures, both to, both locally, statewide, nationally, all of these, and you know, we have to deal with the economy, we have to deal with our lenders. We have to deal with rising interest rates. These are huge pressures and so when we work on something like paid family leave where everyone is treated as having an equal important valid voice and it isn't just that oh business is evil, I think that was what was so terrific about it and I think we came up with a terrific solution.
2: Well with Shiza, we've already spent a a lot of time together and I want to make sure is there anything else you want to share with the industry with folks before we bring it to a close? So, our future continues to be as bright as, as as you know we hope it can be. Anything you want to pass on or close with today?
3: I think that uh, yeah, this is a great industry because it's fun to go to work, right? Because people who are join this industry are just good people. And it doesn't it, it's at the hotel level, at the restaurant level, but it's at the you know networking with the wider industry. Like these are great people, people you want to spend your time with. It's, you know, you're going to work every day to bring out the best in people. And you're also, whether that's bringing out the best in the, in your team, whether it's showing your best, to your guests, like that's a great thing. There's a lot of businesses that are not like that. You don't show up to work and your objective is to bring out the best in people. So I think that's, it's a, it's very motivating to go to work in, um, in this business. Uh, So that's what I would have to say.
2: You know, someone, someone was saying to me the other day of, well, the hostility industry isn't really a, real industry because we don't produce anything. And, and, and I was quick to kind of almost pick up on your point of we produce a better day. Yeah, exactly. Right? We produce smiles. We give people, you know, uh, an improvement in their life. We're part of the living. And I love that because I do think we manufacture that. And if I were to offer hope it's to remind people the next two generations want to spend more on that and experiences than they did on products. And so we got to figure all our challenges out because we're going to have great opportunity. Shiza, I can't say enough for your leadership, and I'm not sure the broader world outside of what I get to see would know it, but your ability to continue to outreach set a great example for our industry, bring people together, uh, be willing to be engaged, set the right example. I can't think of many more people deserving this award than you. So thank you for all that you've done for the industry. I'm glad you can have this moment on November 9th at our conference that we get to recognize that.
3: Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the podcast too.
2: And to your point, you're not done yet. (laughs) We got more we can do. So uh, we'll see you and everyone else on November 9th at the conference. We'll look forward to talking more then.
1: You can find the links we mentioned in this podcast in the show notes. Thanks again to My Hospitality Insurance for your sponsorship. And thank you to our listeners.
0: Until next time.